0: Well, I started working on this uh, about two weeks ago, and you'll recall I had a request, so I stopped in the middle of it and I picked it back up. Uh, but let me give you a little insight as to uh, how I approach this. We're going to spend a little time talking about the Christian's piece, which we've ad- addressed before, but I'm going to address this a little bit different. I'm going to address this uh, in a very practical manner. Uh, in my secular workplace, I normally go in before third shift leaves, and I go from press to press looking for problems. But as I do that, I always, I always ask people how their day is going. I talk about general things. Uh, sometimes it seems like I must be the counselor there in the building because people will tell me all kinds of stuff. And I've learned as I go from machine to machine and talk to people that a lot of people simply are just not content. Uh, And so I began to think about a a lot of the reasons why. Now, I would say so far that if you look at society around us right now, you would come to the realization that many people are agitated or they're not content with a number of the things going on around us. And I have to say that there are some things in life that I'm not very content with. I, I understand that. And at the same time, I also understand that the Bible in many areas cannot fix some of those issues that are caused by the world around us yet with that being done the Bi- with that being said the bible does teach a number of things practical things that would allow us to avoid a number of the problems that people struggle with and so as i began to think about a number of these things i began to think about things that uh, i have seen christians struggle with that i see people in the world struggle with some of those things even things that i have struggled with and I think it's important for each of us to have an understanding of how can, we, how can we avoid many of these pitfalls. And so I'm going to go back and we're going to look at some Scripture that can bear some light on just some very practical ways to have this type of peace that people are looking for. I'm going to go over to Colossians chapter 3, verse 15. Paul writes to the church, "...and let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to the which also ye are called in one body, and be ye thankful." Well, we don't have to spend very much time by going back and looking at the Scriptures to realize that Christians can have peace. The problem is as many people do not understand the, the peace they can have. I would say that in talking to people, a lot of people are looking for some type of a very mystical uh, peace that is placed in them either through the Holy Spirit or through Christ or through uh, God Himself. And Paul talks about this peace ruling our hearts or our mind. Now... Again, many want, what, they want something mysteriously given to them or, or something spiritually given to them when oftentimes the areas that they're struggling are well within their control. And that's where we're going to really kind of focus on today as we look at practical ways to avoid many of the pitfalls and problems that are around us. So let's look at just a few of these. The very first one would be, and this may seem logical, to obey the law. And that probably seems obvious, although when we go back and break the law it causes a lot of undue stress. Now I'm going to break this down into two different areas. I'm going to break this down into man's laws, and then i want to break this down into God's laws. And I do have to make a distinction as I do this. But this specifically was on my mind a week and a half ago because of things that took place within my workplace. Let's talk about the law, man. Romans 13.3. I want you to notice what Paul writes to the church. He says, for rulers... Now, if you want to know who he's talking about, and we get it from the context here in Romans chapter 13, he is talking about worldly powers or those who are acting on behalf of the government. Okay, For rulers are not a terror to good works, but to the evil. Wilt thou then not be afraid of the power? Do that which is good and thou shalt have praise of the same." Let me point something out. How many of you guys have noticed that there is a serious push right now to hate our law enforcement? Those are the people who actually act on behalf of the government to keep law and order, and this group of people have been stereotyped as racists, they've been stereotyped as prejudiced, as bigoted, and the list would go on and on and on. And these people literally are rulers who are placed in those positions on behalf of the government to simply try and keep order. Let me ask you a question. How many of you guys like to be stereotyped? Would you agree that there are probably bad people that work in financial institutions? people, Bad people that call themselves ministers? Bad people that that work in every different type of job that is out there, and and possibly there are even those who are bad police officers. But my honest opinion is probably the majority of them became police officers because they wanted to do good, and yet people are seriously pushing against them. I think for the most part, rulers, they're not a terror to those who do good. How many of you guys are constantly worried that the police are going to break your door down? I don't worry about that because I'm not doing something terribly wrong. And so I'm not worried so much about the the rulers that have power over me. And if you think about it, many of the man-made laws that we actually have are in alignment with our scriptures. We could just start listing some of them, right? It's not okay for me to go out and murder. That's a man-made law, but it's in alignment with the scriptures. It's not okay for me to go out and to steal. That's in alignment with the scriptures, but it's a man-made law. Uh, and so we get this understanding that there are laws that the government gives us which are actually in alignment with the Scripture, and then there are, there are laws that the government has which has nothing to do with the Scriptures at all. Like, for example, did any, anybody speed this morning on the way here to worship? The Bible doesn't talk about speeding. Now, it does say that I'm to follow the, the laws of, the, of those over me. <laughs> Somebody's pointing at John over there. How about this one? About taxes now Jesus does address taxes basically to say that you need to pay it but uh, we have to pay income taxes right we have to pay sales taxes we have to pay our yearly taxes whether or not that's uh, legal or not I guess would be a, a question for the Supreme Court maybe I think they give us too much tax but here's the question if I do not pay tax who's gonna knock on my door the IRS and possibly the police when we don't obey laws, man-made laws, it creates, it creates a lot of undue stress in our life. And you may say, well, these are very general things. No, it, it gets much worse, and uh, I'll be somewhat careful how I address it. But as a citizen, I'm accountable to these types of laws. Notice what Peter says in 1 Peter two thirteen through 15 Submit yourselves to every ordinance of man. That includes, for example, right paying taxes and the speed limit and all the different laws that they have. For the Lord's sake, whether it be the king as supreme, or unto governors, we're talking about local rulers, as unto them that are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers. That would even describe really our police officers there, doesn't it? And for the praise of them that do well. For so is the will of God, that with well-doing ye may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men. The general rule of law for society around us is for the punishment of the evildoer, right? It's for those that murder people and those that that steal, and and the list goes on and on with all these heinous different crimes. And as long as I'm not doing these things, which many of them are already condemned in the scriptures, I'm probably not going to have an issue, right? I can have... I can have peace. I can have a, a drama-free life. Now, one of the reasons this was on my mind, and I doubt, I doubt they watched this, but it is needed for a teaching opportunity. A week and a half ago, one of our employees, where I work, and everyone knew that this employee was involved in illegal activity, was out at a place they ought not to be, about 3 a.m. in the morning, doing things they ought not to do, and you probably read about it in the paper where someone got shot in Kalamazoo and killed. How many of you guys saw that, what, a week and a half ago? When we involve ourselves in illegal activity, we oftentimes surround ourselves with other people who are involved in illegal activity. And if you have no morality guiding you and you'll be involved in illegal activity, oftentimes very bad things happen. And here's here's the sad part about the whole thing. Was the person involved in illegal activity and, and did people know about it, many of them? Yes. A mother lost her son. There's a child now without a father. And so as we begin to talk about these, yeah, there's very simple things that many people don't think is a big deal. Taxes and speed limit. Then there are things that really can cause a lot of trouble within our lives. And here's the question. If that person would have simply just obeyed the law and not done those things, would they have had to deal with these consequences? Well, the answer is no. Now, you may ask this question. Well, what if the government were to make laws which actually violated the laws of God, well, in that case, I'm bound first to the law of God because it is much more important for me to have spiritual peace than it is for me to have peace, per se, in my worldly environment and with the local government. Uh, I won't go back, but for example, let's say that... I'll just make it up. Let's just say that police were at the door and said that we could not come in and worship. How many have seen that actually taking place up in Canada in the last few weeks? where they, I actually watched a video where they came in and barred the door shut. Um, the people sang, and when the police came in and told them they had to leave, guess what they did? They did exactly what the police did, what told them to do. They sang and they left the building, uh, and he preached out in the parking lot. The command is to worship. doesn't say where we have to do it. So we would go ahead and continue to do what we're supposed to do in whatever way we can do it without being in trouble. And if we can't do it without being in trouble, then we might have to do it in secret. Right? We go back and look at Acts 5.29. Then Peter and the other apostles answered and said, We ought to obey God rather than men commandments given by men and or by governments which would tell us that we need to violate god's commands they simply get pushed to the side and we do what god's told us to do and we may pay we may pay a penalty for that Uh, but we can have peace with god and not have to worry about that peace with man there may be consequences but at least we can have peace with god that leads into the second law here that's the most important that's the law of god You'll hear a lot of people talk about how Christians are not under any law today. Listen to a gentleman the other day. He tried to, not successfully, but he tried to teach that Christians do not have any law and that they are covered only by grace. And just as man's laws have many different names, such as, let me give you a few. You've heard them called things like civil ordinances, legal codes, judicial law, and so forth. We have a number of different names for the inspired laws, which govern the Christian. Let me give you just a couple of those. I'm going to go over to James 1.25. But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty, or that word perfect could be translated as complete, and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man should be blessed in his deed. All right, There is just one uh, name that is given to God's inspired law. Romans 8.2 says, For the law of the Spirit... Remember, the law came through the Holy Spirit. It came through our inspired uh, scriptures. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. Let me give you another name here, Galatians 6.2. Bear ye one another's burdens, notice this, and so fulfill the law of Christ. And now I'm going to go on over to Romans 8 7. This will be my last one as I'm giving you different names, describing the law that we're under. Paul tells the church in Rome, Romans 8 7, "...because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be." Now you may wonder, how is it called the law of the Spirit and the law of Christ and the law of God? Well, all three of them are are part of the Godhead. They are all God. And so all of these different names that we have are descriptive names describing our New Testament. It is the law which governs the Christian. And let me point this out because there's a huge movement. This is an unchangeable and inspired law. A lot of people today will say, well, I don't agree with what is taught here within the Scriptures. And so uh, I'm a Christian, but I don't believe in that. You take it all or you take none of it. All of it is inspired, it all goes together, and it's not changeable. Uh, and so that causes a number of issues for religious groups today. But as we're talking about obeying the law, and we've already laid out very clearly obeying the law of man, it really helps us to have a drama-free life. Right? I don't think any of us want the police officers or the government to come and to arrest us and to take us to jail. Uh, but more importantly, I, I don't want to cause enmity between me me and God. I'm more worried about that. And if you think about man's laws, man's laws are really designed to keep peace between men and women of varying beliefs, religions, uh, different ideas on morality, and so forth. And the laws are not based with any intent to please any God at all. Right? The whole purpose of man's laws is to keep order. And so they've come up with a very general system of doing that. But that's not what we have with God. God's law is a very specific system, it's given a number of different names, and violating these laws causes us to lose peace between God and ourselves. I could break a law, for example, and it may not bother a man, man's law. I could break man's law, which may not bother my conscience at all, and I may have to go to jail for it, and, and I can have no loss of peace whatsoever. Um, For example, well, I'll just throw back, you guys remember the case with Bundy when they came in and tried to take his property and he withstood them and he ended up going to jail for a little while? I don't think he felt bad about what he did. He felt he had the right to do it. And so what I'm saying is is there are some man's laws that we could violate, uh, and he was actually found to be innocent in that case, but we could violate those laws and even if we were found guilty, it may not have any conscience matter whatsoever. God's laws, however, are different for the Christian because we know that we are to be in alignment with Him. They're not simply to keep order amongst general people. They are to keep order amongst us as Christians, and they are to help us be in alignment with God's will. Now, here's the thing. If we don't, if we choose to violate these laws, it can cause a number of concerns and a loss of peace in a a few different areas. Let me mention one of these, and that would be the area of our conscience. Let's go on over to Hebrews 10.22. Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Now I know that a number of the things that are promoted by the world around me are totally contrary to the scriptures and having a full assurance of the faith. But a faithful Christian is going to have a conscience issue if they were to engage in a number of these things, such as I've already mentioned going out and stealing and killing people and things like that, right? And let me say this, if you are a Christian and you're involved in those types of things and it does not bother your conscience at all, the only thing I would be able to say here is, is, you don't have a full assurance of the faith, at least not as the Hebrews writer is talking about here in Hebrews 10, 22. You've got something else going on different in your life. And what I would say is, is you very much fit the description according to Peter. Let's go on over to 2 Peter 2:20 because Peter describes people who don't have a conscience issue doing these types of things. And Peter does not give a very good description of these people. And remember these are Christians who have who have decided for whatever reason to go back to the world. 2 Peter 2:20 through 22. and the sow that was washed to her wallowing in the mire. I don't know how many of you have seen that, but the dog eating his vomit, We've, most of us have seen it. It's, it's a pretty dis, distasteful picture. Uh, you could take a sow and wash them, make them clean, and then they go and they get filthy again. And that's what he's describing about here for Christians. They've decided not to follow God's law. And having a pure conscience with God allows us to not have to worry about really what the world might say about us. Uh, As you go back and you think about, spend just a few minutes, guys, in your mind, or a few seconds, thinking about how people in general oftentimes describe Christians. Uh, If you think about it today, the world today promotes and praises sin while rejecting and condemning those who teach and practice truth. And we see it in a bunch of different areas. Uh, The world will promote certain activities, and if you stand up and say the Bible teaches you ought not to do that, they'll come back and and call you a, a number of different names. I don't have to worry about what the world thinks. What I need to worry about is what God thinks. Listen to 1 Peter 3, verses 15 through 17. But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. Notice this, having a good conscience that whereas they may speak evil of you, as evildoers, they may be ashamed that falsely accuse you of your good conversation in Christ. For it is better if the will of God be so, that ye suffer for well-doing than for evil-doing. You know, as I go back and think about what was happening to, and I don't even know what religious group it was, I did turn the video on and I watched as the police rolled up, and it looked like a drug raid going on. I mean... Like eight, eight cruisers showed up with, or however many cruisers there were, with tons of police. Why? To come in and to tell these Christians, or whoever they were, people who claimed to be Christians, that what they were doing was horrible, that it was wrong, that they were putting people at risk because they were gathering to worship during COVID. Uh, and they really condemned them for their behavior. They made them out to be criminals for simply trying to do what they thought the Bible told them to do. It's not just our conscience. You may also lose peace, and this is more important in the eternal life after you die because of all the consequences of being separated from God. And that goes back directly to not obeying God's law. Listen to Isaiah 59, 1 and 2. Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, neither his ear heavy that it cannot hear. But your iniquities, that word there is sin, we're talking about a violation of God's law. And remember, All of God's law is unchangeable. Every bit of it is inspired within our Old and New Testaments. We live under the New Testament. And so we're bound by that law, right? But your iniquities or your sin have separated between you and your God and your sins have hid His face from you that He will not hear. It's not God who is stepping away from me. It's me stepping away from God and causing Him to turn His face from me. Why? Because I'm in an unrighteous relationship with Him. I need to have fear but I need to have correctly guided fear. Let's go on over to Luke 12. I'm going to read verses 4 and 5. This is a passage you're most familiar with. And I say unto you, my friends, be not afraid of them that kill the body, and after that have no more that they can do. But I will forewarn you whom ye shall fear. Fear him which after he hath killed hath power to cast into hell. Yea, I say unto you, fear him. We should be worried about obeying man's laws, but guys, we really need to be concerned about obeying God's laws. Let's talk about something else, desiring peace with others. You guys probably know that there are people out there that seem like they always want to engage in some type of conflict with other people. Uh, It's gotten so bad that I have spent very little time on social media and when all of that takes place, and it may not be on social media that they're doing it, they may be doing it in their own life. Uh, you cause an awful lot of stress. I don't think I mentioned this one, but I don't feel bad saying it. We had a couple, of, uh, couple of <laughs> we had a couple of ladies at work physically, physically fighting over a gentleman who was showing attention to one and not showing attention to the other. Now he normally shows attention to all of them, but in this case, he was only showing attention to one. And so they began to, they began to there was a physical altercation. And you may say, well, that's not uncommon. Well, here's the undue stress. People were placed in the middle of it, and now they have to choose, all right, who do I support on this? Because if I support one and not the other, I lose a friendship. Now it carries over, guys, into when they schedule the machines, they literally have to schedule these employees away from each other. And my whole point in bringing all this up is, is, We cause a lot of drama and unneeded stress in our lives when we're not at peace with those around us. There's no need for these people to be arguing. That gentleman makes sure he spends lots of time giving everybody plenty of attention, right? So he would have made the rounds. Listen to 1 Peter 3.11. Let him eschew evil and do good. Let him seek peace and ensue it. Guys, the world and and the people around us They desire and they incite division. And if you don't believe that, just turn on the news. They're doing it by trying to divide people by race. They try to divide people by gender. They try to divide people by lifestyle. And let me say this. I work with many different types of people that have many different types of belief. Some go to churches, denominational churches. Some uh, do not go to any church. Uh, Many of them are uh, in many different types of lifestyles. And let me say this, I've never had altercations with any of them because of the way they behave. Let me touch on it a little bit more. Listen to Romans 12.18. If it be possible, as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. Here's a question we probably ought to ask us regarding everybody that we deal with. What exactly is my motivation? Not only with the brethren, my brothers or sisters in Christ, but also with those around me, right? Right? I realize that there are certain people around me where the odds of me converting them to become Christians are very slim to none. That doesn't mean I stop. I still continue to try when and wherever it is that I might be able to have religious discussions with them. Uh, But there's no need for me me to, to cause hard feelings and constantly fight and bicker with them because they're not at the point where they believe what I believe. They may get to that point or they may not. Uh, But if I create such an atmosphere where they're not even willing to talk to me, I've totally cut myself off. That doesn't mean I condone their behavior. Uh, And I've said this before, you can't force people to become Christians. You can continue to persuade and try to move them that route. Uh, But I can't always be at peace with people around me. Why? I live around worldly sinners. I live around, although we shouldn't say it, erring brothers and sisters in Christ. I live around those that may constantly cause problems. And so one of the things I can do, though, is try to desire to have peace with these people. And sometimes the only peace that I may have with these people is simply that I'm going to avoid them as much as I can from being in my lives. And when I am around them, I'm going to show a Christ-like example and continue to try and teach truth as I have opportunity. How many of you, let me ask the question, how many of you have ever had to literally just try to keep someone out of your life? just to keep having to deal with all of the nonstop drama. You hate that it gets to that point, but sometimes that that happens. What we need to do is surround ourselves, if possible, with drama-free people, uh, and specifically those of the household of God when possible. But as I've said before, we're in the world but not of the world. You're not going to be able to remove yourself from a number of these types of people, and it's good that you don't. You know why they have all the troubles they have, many of them? Because they're not faithful Christians. And they need a faithful Christian in their life to help them out. This next point actually goes back to my very first point as I was thinking about why someone had an ish, a bad thing happen to them. Let's talk about staying busy a little bit. And I did touch on this actually not long ago. There's an awful lot of stress that builds up for people because of laziness in life. And I thought about this as I started working on this, because where I work, I constantly hear people complaining about financial stress. How many of you guys have ever had to deal with that? Right, you're worried about paying bills and so forth. And yet, as I listen to some people complaining about these types of things, one of the things I've noticed is, is the reason they have the problems they have is because of constant laziness or tardiness. Uh, we have an employee, I don't feel bad saying it, they come to work one day a week if they come. And people like that—it's interesting that they'll complain nonstop about financial issues in their life, and they wonder why isn't God helping me out? Well, God isn't going to do for you what you can do for yourself. What they need to do is quit being lazy, and they need to actually be dedicated to what it is that they're doing. Listen to Romans 12:11: "Not slothful in business, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord." Now we're talking about how Christians should be. Uh, but how many of you guys—well? Don't say their names out loud. I don't want to hear somebody scream out Joe or something like that. How many of you guys know did a... not I didn't. I wasn't. Joe's raising his hand. How many of you guys know? How many of you guys know a Christian who's who's lazy? How many of you guys know a Christian like that? Uh, and I Joe's not lazy. Let me just say that. But some of us know people who are like that, and then they'll complain about all the struggles they have in life. They'll struggle about their financial issues. They may even come to the church and say, listen, I'm struggling financially. Can you help me uh, take care of my bills? I've had that happen before. Uh, And let me say this, in the times that it has happened, we've asked oftentimes to sit down with them to do a budget. And what you'll find out is is they actually oftentimes are creating all the problems themselves. I hear about this all the time at work. People aren't staying busy, and then they complain about the, the struggles they have in life. Listen to 1st Thessalonians 4:11. And that ye study to be quiet and do your own business and to work with your own hands as we commanded you. Now I wish I could go back and spend a little time on the context of 1st Th- 1st Thessalonians but you've got You've got Christians, and you've got throughout history, if you go back and look, you'll find a number of times where you've had religious groups who literally thought Jesus was imminently coming back, and guess what they did? This happened not long ago. One guy racked up his credit cards because, remember the billboards you see? Jesus is coming back, and they give a date? The guy believed it. So he sold his house. He went out and gambled all of his money away. He racked up debt because he thought Jesus was coming back. Guess what? Jesus didn't come back. And now he's got to deal with all of these troubles that he has. Well, there are people that are are dealing with the same types of problems because they don't stay busy. I even hear people sometimes that will complain, well, you know, the workplace is not happy with me or my supervisor is not happy with me, my manager is unhappy with my work performance. And let me point this out. There is a big difference between the occasional mistake or issue that comes into our life as opposed to people who are just completely lazy and have a lack of concern for what it is that they do. Uh, And just as I mentioned last week, whatever your work is, stay busy. You work at home, diligently work at home. If you work in an office, diligently work within that office. If you work in a factory, diligently work within the factory. Many of the problems we have in life are simply because we're not dedicated to the jobs that we have. Let's talk about another one we need to reject the world's basis of peace. Now, I don't have to go back and say a whole lot about this, but I literally said this to somebody at work this week. I said, this world is just so messed up. Guys, we just live in a messed up world. We we today in our culture are filled with a ton of stress because of many, many different types of false philosophies that are really being pushed upon us. And... Many conclude that, that peace comes from things like the basis of wealth, or it comes from the basis of success, or it comes from the basis of notoriety. It comes from having a personal identity with some type of a lifestyle. Guys, those are all things that the world has tried to push on people with this false idea of you're successful if you meet this standard. Well, here's the problem. The world standard is not God's standard. Listen to Colossians 2.8. Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world and not after Christ. This was an area before I was a Christian that I greatly, I greatly I fell for this. I based my personal worth, virtually all of my personal worth on the job that I had, uh, specifically the job title that I had, not even so much the money. And that was what drove me, because that was ingrained, what was ingrained to me when I was young was hard work ethic will allow you to advance in life. And so I learned subconsciously from my father that my worth was based on how successful I was at my work. And my wife would tell you that I was a workaholic. I was never home. I would get called in in the middle of the night. I went all the time. My next, my only concern was what's my next, what's my next promotion, what's my next step up in the world. I had this idea from the world that I could have peace, and it was all based on the job that I have. Now, for many other people, it's not their job; it's, it's something else. But what I'm simply trying to tell you is, is the world has filled us with all these different false philosophies of. What it is that that makes us successful, and what it is that will allow us to have peace in life? And guys, when I when I go back and I look at very successful people, let me mention a few people. A few people. Um, think about Robin Williams, extremely wealthy person, well known, notoriety. Everybody loved him, and yet the guy was struggling with uh, a number of a number of issues and depression. You can go back and think about. Uh, You know, a number of these people who are... Have you ever noticed a lot of famous comedians? Everyone thinks they're so funny and you find out later that they were struggling with different types of, of depression and things like that in life. It's not money. It's not notoriety. In the end, you look at people like even Elvis. Elvis did an interview and the money and the fame didn't make him happy. And these false philosophies have caused many to be led astray. Let's talk about in opposition to what the world really promotes as peace, let's talk about trusting in the life that Christ offers. We create a, a lot of stress within our lives by trusting in ourselves or in what the world offers or tells us we should accept, as opposed to Christ. Now, if we have a life lived wholly in Christ, it's void of a number of the types of things that people struggle with without you know, in, in their personal lives out in the world. Many of our concerns and stresses really are due to sins in our own life. We get caught up in immorality. Uh, we have conscience issues because of it. And all of that takes our peace. And as I began to think about just a number of these, and these are things that I have personally seen at work. And so as I mention these, I'm not talking about Christians here, but these things have happened to Christians. Uh, I don't think they watch us. <laughs> have a young lady who uh, who's not married and she's become pregnant in my workplace I really like her Uh, she's a good person but I wonder if she and I didn't I never asked I wonder if she struggled for a little bit as soon as she found out trying to determine what do I do you know that the person who waits for intimacy until they're married they don't have to ask that question of themselves how do I support this child do I raise this child should I keep this child But when we we don't do the things the way God has told us to do it, we oftentimes bring in unneeded stress because we're not trusting in the life that Christ offers. We're trusting in a a life that's really promoted and and seen as acceptable by by the world around us. Uh, How about those who refrain from using alcohol? They don't have to worry about getting picked up for a DUI or sliding into a family of six on the way home from the tavern, getting charged with a DUI. Those people who don't steal don't have to worry about if their place of business is going to find out that they stole something or if their neighbor found out that they're they're the ones that pushed the lawnmower out of the garage into their garage and painted it a different color so they'd never know, right? If you don't do those types of things, you don't have to worry about getting in trouble for those kinds of things. If I don't go out and sell drugs at 3 a.m. in the morning, going to places I ought not to be, doing things I ought not to do, very good chance I'm not going to get shot. And I hope, I, I mean, I, to be honest, I feel sorry for the mother of that child, of that young, young man, the young man. He's old enough to have a child, now his child has no father. Imagine how that person's life would be different if they had trusted in the life that Christ can offer. And it's not just people involved in that. There are even Christians who are involved in, in things that some may say, well, it's not that bad. And yet you go back and you look at a number of the consequences they're dealing with. It's not just the sin in and of itself. How about this? Have you guys noticed Christians who are constant, constantly worried about life itself? That has become a very big problem. And we worry about tomorrow. Uh, we worry about things that haven't happened yet. We wonder, you know, how will we deal with it uh, The only thing that we have control over is our decisions today. And even those, oftentimes, we don't have control on how they play out. We simply have control of how we react to those things. We get caught up in trying to make ourselves happy, and and oftentimes we're looking for happiness again as the world deems happiness. And what we need to do is simply surrender ourselves to Christ. When we surrender ourselves to Christ, there's a number of things the world puts high value on that no longer seem so valuable to us. Uh, I would be upset if my house burned down, but it's a house, right? I can get a new house. I would be upset if my car quit working on me, but it's a car, I can get a new one, right? There's much more important things in life, and yet we find those types of issues cause people to have serious concerns of worry and stress. Listen to Galatians 2.20. I'm crucified, this is Paul speaking, I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Paul gave, Paul gave up everything for Christ. But let me say this, it didn't solve his worldly problems, did it? He still had problems in the world, but do you think Paul was at peace with himself? I think so, because he'd surrendered himself to Christ. Matthew six thirty three, Jesus says, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. I find many of the people I am surrounded by who are not Christians or not living according to the Bible, even if they claim to be Christians, I see a number of these things as I listen to them tell me what it is they're struggling with, and I, I think to myself, you wouldn't you wouldn't be dealing with these problems if you would just surrender yourself to Christ and live according to His Word. One of the things Christians don't do very well, I think, is they don't give things to God in prayer. Why do I make that general assessment? Here's the reason why. I don't pray enough myself. How many of you guys would raise your hand right now if you would be willing to admit you don't pray enough? I'm glad I see hands going up. I don't either. I don't either. I read an awful lot and I, I watch a lot of videos about religious things and I go back and I work through my Bible studies through the week. I mean my schedule is very I mean I know what I'm doing what days. I don't think I pray enough. And it's not that I'm it's not that I'm trying to be an unfaithful Christian. It's just that I do I I get so wrapped up in the world around me that I, I oftentimes forget I need to go spend some time with God in prayer. We stress out and we think we can control everything in our lives. I can't control everything in my life. And I have to realize there are, there are limitations within my control. However, God doesn't have these types of limitations. Most of you are familiar with Philippians 4, 6-7. through 7. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God which passeth all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. We need to spend a lot more time in prayer as we're trying to have peace within ourselves and the world that we live in. Let me talk about one more thing, and this is something I have seen quite a bit lately. One of the things that we are not doing very good right now, and part of it is because of simply the time that we're living in, we are not doing a very good job at getting involved in other people's lives. We begin to stress ourselves out oftentimes because we stay in our own heads, we isolate ourselves from other people, and we are not getting out and associating with other people. Now, I went and pulled this poll up, and hopefully, you, you guys can go back and check this, but here's what the poll said. This is a recent poll. A recent poll shows that three in four Americans say they have completely, that's 28% that were polled, or mostly, that's 47% polled, have isolated themselves from people outside their household. And then it goes on within this poll and it says this, the percentage who are self-isolating rapidly increased in 2020, but has shown only modest change since then. Many people, and I ask people at at work, many people when they leave work, they go home. And when they go home, they get on social media, they play their PlayStation, uh, and they literally self-isolate themselves. They They don't talk to people. They don't have friends that they associate with. They've literally just placed themselves in this bubble and this is oftentimes even happening to Christians, and they feel lonely, and they have stress from that. They feel like no one loves them, and they have stress from that. They don't know who to go to to talk about the struggles that they're having, and they have stress from that. They're not surrounded by faithful Christians possibly, and they don't have someone who can encourage them how to deal with some of these problems or even recommend who they might be able to talk to, and they're struggling with that. And the rates over the last year have skyrocketed for those needing, and I, I say that because they do, needing counseling services and needing help. And oftentimes, much of this is seen in their self-isolation. Listen to Matthew 22, 38-39. through 39. We actually addressed this this week. This is the first and great commandment, and the second is like unto it, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. And we're going to get into the question of who is your neighbor but loving your neighbor means getting involved in their life. Let me go over to Galatians 5.13. This will be my last passage. For brethren, ye have been called unto liberty, only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. Well, for me to be able to do that, I've got to spend time with my brothers and sisters in Christ. But not only that, I need to spend time with those who are not my brothers and sisters in Christ yet, but need to become my brothers and sisters in Christ. I can't convert people if I'm not around people. Self-isolation has caused a number of problems within the church, and one of those is stagnation in church growth. It has led to uh, social and um, other issues within their own personal lives. And so this has become a serious issue. Uh, We have a number of people within churches who have no association with others outside of social media or an online presence. And as Christians, we ought to make it our our goal to get involved in everybody's life, at least to the extent they will allow us in. If you were to ask anyone uh, in my current workplace uh, what I normally do when I go around, they'll all tell you, I usually come by and I ask all of them the same question. How's your day going? That's where it starts. That's how you get involved in someone's life. And sometimes they say, fine, and that's all they want to reveal. And sometimes they say things like, yeah, my mom passed away, or I got a family member who's dealing with drug addiction, or, and I've heard all of those. You want to get involved in people's life? It starts with one question How's your day going? And that gives you the opportunity to go in and to possibly spread the gospel, to teach them how to be saved. And that's where I'll end this morning, because I don't know who's watching this. I want you to have peace in your life. And for those of us who are Christians, it's very simple. I need to obey the law first. That includes man's laws and God's laws. I need to desire peace with others. I need to stay busy. I need to reject the world's basis of peace. I need to accept and have trust in the life that Christ offers me. I need to spend a lot more time giving things to God in prayer. And I need to get involved in other people's lives. And part of that is is to teach them how to become Christians. It's not complicated. We know that there was evangelists or ministers going around, they were teaching people who Christ was, why He came, that He came to set up a kingdom, that He was the Messiah. And they believed that and they had faith, John 8, 24. They were willing to repent of their sins as Christ commands, Luke 13, 3 and 5. They were willing to confess Christ, Romans 10, 9 and 10. And then they were all immersed in water for the remission of their sins. That's how they got into Christ. When they did that, they were added to the church by the Lord Himself, Acts 2, verse 47. And then their goal was to simply be faithful. And that's what we spent a little bit of time on today. Because as we are faithful, it allows us to have peace in this life. As I draw this to a close, if you're here and you're not a Christian, please don't leave without letting somebody talk to you. If you are here and you're a Christian, if you're struggling, we'd love to offer prayer on your behalf. But in either case, you can come forward as we're led in the Song of Invitation.